There's an expression in English that never really made much sense to me. When you're comparing two things that are not at all alike, you say, but that's like apples and oranges. But if you think about it, apples and oranges are a lot alike. They're both fruit, they're both round, they both grow on trees. So it really doesn't make sense to use them if you said like, that's like apples and kangaroos, okay. But that's like apples and oranges doesn't make sense. And there is an equivalent Hebrew expression, a different one, from this morning's Parsha, but it makes much more sense. Even in modern Hebrew, sometimes you will hear someone saying it, although the question goes back to the rabbis and to Rashi, and it is Ma Inyan Shmita Eitzel Har Sinai, which means, why are you talking about the laws of the sabbatical next to Sinai? Let me explain. As you know, there are a lot of laws in the Torah. Most of them are just, here's the law, and here's the law, and here's the law, and here's the law, and here's the law. But in this morning's Parsha, it's called Bahar, the mountain, because before God introduces the laws of the sabbatical, and I'll talk about the sabbatical and what it is in a second, so don't worry if you don't remember what the sabbatical is, I'll get to it. But before God introduces the laws of the sabbatical, it says, these laws were given to Israel on Mount Sinai. Here are the laws of the sabbatical. So you can understand the question is like, what's the point? Why do you juxtapose Sinai and the sabbatical of all the laws in the Torah? Why don't you say, here are the laws that God gave to Moses at Sinai. This is tort law in Judaism, but you don't do that. Instead, you talk about the sabbatical. Now, what is the sabbatical? Every seven years, the land lies fallow. That is, for six years, it belongs to you and you can farm it however you wish. But on the seventh year, it's as if for that year, it goes back to God and you leave it alone. You're still allowed to eat whatever it produces, but you can't work the land. Whether that's good agricultural practice or not, I don't know. All we have to know for the moment is that this question of why Sinai is emphasized next to the sabbatical is a very deep one and gives, receives a lot of answers. But clearly, at least part of the answer is at Sinai, God is emphasizing to the Jewish people, the land is yours to use, but ultimately belongs to me. It's one of the reasons, say the rabbis, why God gets to give the land to Israel. Because every time we say God gave the land of Israel to the Jews, well, you can only give things if you have them, right? So God gives the land to Israel, why? Because the land, like the world, belongs to God. And therefore, everything on the land ultimately belongs to God. And that includes the fruits of the first, uh, of the seventh year, whether they are apples or oranges. Now, why do I bring this up? 
because as Rabbi Yisrael Salanter once said, the great head of the Musar movement, he said, it is easier to proclaim God king of the universe than it is to proclaim God king of oneself. Because if God is king of you, then it obligates you to do certain things. If you say, okay, God's king of all the world, that doesn't cost you anything. But if you say God is my king, then you got to do certain things. And this is one way in which Judaism really believes that God is my king. Because everybody in the world has a deep craving to belong to someone. But we also know that human beings ultimately don't belong to each other. That's part of the message of the Torah, right? Israel were slaves in Egypt as though they were property of the Egyptians. And God comes along and says, no, you can't be property of human beings. That's not okay. You don't belong to another person. There was a time, I sometimes, when I read Victorian novels, you realize that the wives are property of the husband. They can do with them pretty much what they like at a certain age and even more the children. When you ask like, why were 10 year olds working in the mines? It's because their parents wanted them to. And the kids were the parents' property. But as the world evolved, people began to realize that other people aren't your property. So you can belong in an emotional sense. You can belong in a loving sense to one another, but you don't belong the same way your car belongs to you. Right? And here is the difference. If you bought your car, not if you leased it, but if you bought your car, okay, you can go out and take a baseball bat to the fender and that's perfectly fine because it belongs to you. You're allowed to mistreat things that belong to you. And that's why it's so important to know that people don't belong to you because you're not allowed to mistreat them. And here, I'm gonna double down on this. That means you're not allowed to mistreat yourself. Because guess what? In Jewish law, you don't belong to you. In American law, you belong to you, right? Even though weirdly, American law forbids suicide, I don't know the basis of that since after all, you belong to you. But I understand why Jewish law forbids suicide because you don't belong to you and you aren't allowed to destroy what God has given you. This belongs to God. I don't have the right to destroy it. In fact, one of my professors once made a great analogy. He said, your body is like an apartment. Everybody knows when you give an apartment to someone, it's not gonna come back to you in exactly the same condition that you gave it. You're gonna put up a few posters. There are gonna be some cigarette burns on the rug. It's not gonna be in perfect shape, but you aren't allowed to trash the place because it's not yours. So the same thing. Why are you not allowed, for example, to make cuts in your body, which was an ancient religious practice that the pagans used? Because it's not yours. 
And God doesn't want you to deface God's property. And that really is both a liberating thing. It's, by the way, the rationale behind Jews um, forbidding cremation. I know that there are Jews who get cremated, but it's against Jewish law because you're not allowed to burn that which God gave you. Right? From dust to dust. If God wants to take it back by natural processes, that's God's business. But we can't accelerate it by deciding we want to destroy it. But there is something beautiful about this too, because it means that the deep desire that every human being has to belong to someone is fulfilled for all of us, even those people who are alone. Nobody doesn't belong to someone because everyone belongs to God. Why does the Torah mentioned Shemitah next to Har Sinai so that you will learn that this gift you were given is a gift. And one day you're going to have to give it back. That's how we really know that we belong to God is we don't get to hold on to this forever. We have to give it back one day, whether we want to or not. But that's okay because you give it back to the one who gave it to you. We say it every morning, I am grateful to you, O God. Why are you grateful to God in the morning? Because you returned my soul to me. As if God had it in the night, and then in the morning, God says, okay, you can have it back now. And how do we conclude the service? The end of Adon Olam. To you, God, I give my soul, both when I'm awake and when I'm asleep. And if my soul passes away, you're with me. I won't be afraid. There is a faith and a confidence and a deep sense of love in knowing you belong to God who gave you what you have on loan in this world. And one day you'll have to give it back. But how grateful we should be that we were given it in the first place. So imruchi gviati, Adonai leave aloi ra. So whenever God decides to take it back, I know that I'm not alone. So I won't be afraid. Shabbat Shalom.